Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rainstock Play. This week we'll be looking at the final two T20s from that amazing T20 series between India and England. I said amazing T20 series. I don't know why it wasn't. It wasn't that much fun, was it, boys? Um, we were just saying how we've already forgotten the fourth and fifth T20. Uh, we'll look a little bit at the first ODI as well, which has just finished. Uh, India winning that one after England collapsing again, um, and we'll have a, a bit of fun looking at some you know potential teams of the World Cup and some combined teams and. Uh, work our way through this T20 series. But first, let's say hello to everyone. Uh, hello, Will. How are you? A bit chirpy than we are after that India win. Yeah, good. Just just happily watched uh, an England batting collapse slowly unfold before we before we hit record. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, Glenn, how are you? Disappointed. Disappointed. I went to mute Will there. He was he was he was looking too happy. Uh, yeah, no, it's it was it was a tough watch. It was a frustrating watch, I think, for the majority of England fans considering our start, which we'll get onto in a minute. I've somehow ended up with my TV screen frozen at the shot of Mark Wood looking disappointed at the end of the game. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm looking at. Brilliant. Uh, and Zach, how are you? Yeah, again, I'm all right. You know, England just completely bottled that ODI from a fantastic position. It was, you know, we, throughout the first half of the innings, we were all celebrating and rem- remembering how good it is to watch England play ODIs. And then we remembered how bad it can be as well. Yeah, I mean, I was I was saying to Glenn before we came recording, I can't think of much good that's come out of this whole tour. Am I getting am I getting too negative now? I mean, we'll come on to it toward and as we get into the pod. But yeah, I'm just I'm really low right now. I'm I'm not in a good England fan way. Um, very strange couple of days for the England team. But let's start with some news. Uh, plenty of other cricket going on that doesn't involve England. Uh, Sri Lanka and West Indies are playing a Test match. That's uh, in the West Indies. Uh, Rakim Cornwall's fifty. Who saw this? The big the big fella. Um, I think he got out for 60 in the end today, but that was his first uh, test 50. Uh, Joshua De Silva, the wicketkeeper, is looking very good as well, also got 50. That gave the West Indies a lead of 102. Sri Lanka are currently 67 for one in their second inning. So they're trailing by 35 runs as of, what, 4.30 in the UK. Um, so a good test match poised there. Um, New Zealand and Bangladesh are playing each other down in New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand are currently leading the ODI series 2-0. Uh, that's a three-game ODI series. And then there's three T20s after that. Uh, there's a Carl Jameson catch we can chat about later that should have been given, but Zach disagrees with, um, disappointingly. And we'll come on to a bit of DRS slash VAR chat, which I'm looking forward to. Um, always want to bring VAR into anything we can in life. Um, and Zach, there's been a few county signings. Talk us through uh, Lancashire made a big move this week. Yeah, a big but a slightly... Surprising move because you know obviously the the ECB have done all they can to uh, you know make the Royal London One Day Cup uh, non-existent, and Lancashire have signed Sharia Iyer, obviously the Indian batsman, just for that tournament, which seems weird. I suppose obviously it's, it helps that no, it doesn't help, but Indian batsmen obviously aren't allowed to go and play in the Blast, which would 
have maybe made more sense and obviously is a bit more of a money spinner. But considering he'll be playing with a lot of Lancashire's, you know, young players and second eleven players, it seems weird. But you know, I, I would now put them as favourites to win that tournament. So that's that's nice to see. <laughs> Gosh, I I mean, I'm so unenthused about the Royal London Cup. Are you guys? Are you, do you guys like that tournament? I really, I really couldn't care about it. Also, really? on that note, yeah, I really don't like it. And also, there's been a lot of chat going on Twitter today. I'm like, do you dislike T20s or ODIs more? It's some people seem to really dislike ODI cricket, and I think I agree with them. I don't know if any of you boys want to defend the format, but I, Zach, I know you love ODIs, so you're more than welcome to go in on that. I've actually, I've actually been having a good, good conversation with a friend of mine today about how much we love ODIs and how <laughs> good they are because, and I think we saw today in that ODI ex- exactly one of the main reasons why I love ODIs, even though it was going against my team, because you can get an amazing start like that to a chase, but it can still go wrong for you because wickets are so much more valuable than they are in T20s just because you have to bat for so much longer. And I think that's why it's kind of a, a nice happy medium in between T20s and test cricket because obviously wickets are so valuable in test cricket and they are still in ODIs but in T20s they are you know they, they don't mean nothing but you can you can lose three wickets quickly and still chase down 150 you know 170 but lasting that 50 overs is it's difficult sometimes I see what you're saying like the more value there is in a wicket the more entertaining the game can be because it, I think it twos and throws a little bit more I like that but yeah I, I don't know maybe I'm just a bit exhausted by this whole tour it's just been a lot of cricket going on and I'm just a bit like ugh, I can't be bothered to watch half an England team go out at the minute I mean in defense of one day cricket I guess domestically it's definitely my favorite form to watch in person if I had a choice of an ODI, a T20, or a day of county championship, I'd always pick ODI. You could get, you know, usually about 80 overs a day at least. And I'm a massive fan of being there for it. Watching a full, you know, county game of, of, of one day uh, one day cricket on TV can be can be a little bit of a drag sometimes, unless it's a team you're supporting. And that's fair enough. It's a long period of time. Um, but in the international game, I mean, just the World, I mean, the World Cup demonstrated how fantastic it is. The one in England, I mean, I would say the majority of the games um unscientifically were were very were tight were entertaining i mean i must i was very lucky i kind of had a summer off when it was the world cup and of all the i watched the majority of them and i can only think of one or two mainly the ones that involved south africa for some reason that just weren't enjoyable watches at all that were just just a bit flat but the vast majority i mean you, you know you've got you know pakistan playing exciting cricket we've got a lot of teams um internationally that are quite good at one day cricket so i'm i'm actually looking forward to it although in the context of our discussion, Dan, I do agree that I feel a little bit burnt out, and I, the time difference is horrible for me in the US. It started at 2am, so this is a bit of a washout, this three-game series. But I do feel I would have loved a break. I, wouldn't, I would like to watch you know, an England ODI series in maybe two months, not off the back of five T20s that we all struggle to keep up with already. Yeah, I mean, absolutely no time for a break in this season, is there? Just relentless, relentless cricket. And exactly. my in my in defence of ODI cricket is that um, I love England's kit so so much that I, it's I'm awesome, isn't to, it? Oh, I'm happy to watch them do anything in that. And today was a great example of that. But we're here to talk about some T20s, boys. Before we we move into the ODI and some other stuff later in the pod, um, to refresh listeners' memories and our own, because this feels like it happens a long time ago. Um, our last pod covered the first three T20s. We're going to chat about the fourth and fifth a little bit now. So the fourth T20, India won by eight runs, um, 185 for eight in the first innings, England falling short, 177 for eight. Uh, Sri Kumar Yadav with 57, Trias Ayer with 37 off 18, um, and then Ben Stokes led 
a sort of charge. I wouldn't call it a charge, really. Um, and then Archer nearly got us over the line. I don't really know. Um, and we lost that one. India won by eight runs. And then the fifth T20, I, India won by 36 runs. Um, we all remember that one, guys, right? Uh, a 224 for two for India. Uh, England 188 for eight. Uh, got nowhere near. India won by 36 runs. So that's reminded us. Has anyone got anything to say about these two games? I really don't. Sorry, I'm just laughing because listeners will not be able to appreciate that Glenn's face is just screaming. I have, I remember none of this right now. <laughs> it was the whole time. Uh-huh. I looked, it was like when you give like one of your parents like an iPad or a phone and they have to squint at it because their Spring eyes up. are quite adjusting to it. And he was just like, cricket? T20s? Um, yeah, that's what happened, Glenn. Um, we kind of spoke about, you know, general T20 things in, in the first pod. Um, some things that came out of that, that uh, those, those last two, and we'll start with India, and we'll come to you on this, Will, but they tried a lot of opening partnerships, and they did a lot of chop and change throughout, the, throughout the, the series, actually, which I think was good from them, for looking forward for them. What, what would your ideal opening partnership be from this India side after the five T20s you've seen? Because Cody did a good job of it. Obviously, Sharma, Darwin at the start of the series, uh, KR Rahul, so many options. What looks the best for you? Well, you've, we've ended the suspense early for looking ahead to our World Cup 11s here, but I'll, I'll give everyone, you know, I, I won't tease them. I'll just, I'll say what it is. It. Um, I think it's Rohit Sharma and Ishkish. That's my gut feeling after this series. Maybe that's based on the fact that Ishan Kishan had a pretty good series. Obviously, he's still young. He might have a horrible IPL and it will change. Um, but I think, to be honest with you, Shikha Darwin and Kale Rahul did their level best to completely rule themselves out. Um, and at the moment, I think those two are just in, in the best form to capitalise. In my team, I had uh, Kohli down to open and Ish Kish in the middle order. I can see why you've gone with Ishan Kishan at the start, and I like that. But I... I don't know. I liked him, and he we batted quite well in the middle order for Mumbai. It'd be interesting to see what happens this year because if Rohit's fit for the whole IPL, surely the next time Ishan Kishan opens will be the next India game, maybe or or maybe not. You know, he's not going to get many opportunities to do that before the World Cup. I think it's a good point, and um, I think it's a good point, and and Virat definitely could step up to that role, and in, in a way, it would be nice to see what happens if you have a slightly more you know, anchor and big hit the big hit partnership in the opening. Um, but the kind of weird thing that India will take out of the series, I think, is that they've both lost wickets in every power play and also not scored that many runs in every power play. So I don't really know what the solution is there, but I think at the moment they probably prefer to go with Ishkish there. We've had an early anchor as well. I think we're about <laughs> 10 minutes into the recording and Will's dropped an anchor. Um, I ha- I've got Ishkish opening in my combined T20 of the series. I haven't done an India team for the World Cup because I think Zach said it before we recorded. I found it too overwhelming. There are too many young batsmen I'm trying to squeeze into like five places. So I, th- I think he's a great option. I don't like Kohli opening. I don't know why. I think he as an anchor and, you know, let's just start saying anchor now. Uh, the floodgates have opened. But yeah, I'd rather him at, I'd rather him at three or four. Um, and yeah, is is there somewhere where Yadav? Oh, there is, I guess. Yadav, Shreyas, uh, oh gosh, Ishan, Kishan. I can't remember them all. Is there a way these all fit into a team? Is what I'm trying to ask. Do all these great young batsmen we see? Can we squeeze them all in? Is that you asking for my team? 
I thought we were doing it later, so I was trying to like maybe hold on, but just give me a team. I, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to just I'm happy to answer your question with a simple yes, and then tease the rest for later if you'd prefer that. <laughs> just go for it. Man. Go. <laughs> I want to hear the team. Right, it's been stressing me out this India team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've gone with Sharma and Ishkish opening. Virat three, Surya Kumar four, then Pant Hardik, Jadeja. One of the spinning all-rounders, which will probably be Jahar. And then Bumrah, Boovi. And although he didn't play in this series, I think he's probably the best of those third extra seamers. So I've put Siraj in there at 11. Wait, which spinner was it? Jahar or Jahar? On the basis that if we're assuming it's tomorrow and there aren't really any other game schedules at the moment, I think you'd go Jahar. With an R. With an R. But, as we've oh. said, Chahal is a member of the Kohli club, so I, I would I assume it would be him. Okay, okay, nice. I'm, I'm seeing how this all fitting in. Zach, what's your team? Is it is it similar? It's similar, yeah. The only thing I've done is, because I did Kohli to open, but I'm happy to... The, the top four is the same, I've just done it in a slightly different order. And then, to, the top six is the same. So that's that's good. It, then we start disagreeing. I kind of forgot about Jadeja. Not gonna lie, I did. he's been out of the one. Yeah. He's been out of the one day stuff for a while. And on his batting performance today, I put Krunal Pandya in there because I really <laughs> like him. And I've not gone for Siraj, which is interesting. I've gone for Takor because I thought Takor looked really good at the death, and he was just. England English batsmen just didn't know how to deal with his off cutters. I know it helps that we have millions of left handers, and as soon as a right hander came in, it was easier. But I liked him, and I think he offers a bit with the bat as well. I'm not, didn't, we didn't see much of it in this, but he seems to be down at eight, which makes me think he can bat. And then I've gone Chahal, not Chahar, because Chahal, I don't know, Chahal seemed like a couple of years ago he was just the banker for India in one day cricket, but he seems to have lost it. But maybe he can find it again. I forgot about Jadeja too, um, and I I hadn't I, I haven't put a team together by the way because as I said I found it overwhelming. But no Washington from either of you. He he <laughs> kind of he, he was unimpressive though really wasn't he? I don't think his batting's that good for T Twenty. He's, he's a good technical batsman for Tests. We've already seen that this this year. His bowling was okay, and his, he, he can't bat that well. So yeah, no Washington for me. And uh, did you both have Bhuvaneshwar in there? Okay, good. We can come on to him in a bit. Yeah, ju- just just about Washington. I think um, apart from the openers, which which will you you very well said that they really were trying to compete to not be in this team in the looking forward. Um, I think Washington was possibly my biggest disappointment. I think in terms of expectation for for Indian players in the season in the series even. So his economy was nearly nine um, across his overs. It was eight point eight point nine, which is higher than the, he's usually seen as you know kind of a tight tight middle overs bowler. Um, he got four wickets, so oh, oh Zags Zags raising his hand, but he, he got a couple of wickets. But I, I was a little bit disappointed by him, to be honest. That was that was the only player that I felt a little bit let down by. Sorry, it's just uh, mentioning Washington's economy has to be yep. a pound of the swear jar. That's it's in the jar. <laughs> the it's been it's been fairly criminal so far today. I think we've had anchor. We've not had the B word yet. Um, there's been a mention we'll of Hardik, but Hardik is allowed to be mentioned because he's in this team. And then there's economy. Yeah, it really wasn't that great, was it, Paul Washington? Um, and Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, I think it was the fourth T20. It might have been the, the the fifth. I really don't know, but he had an amazing spell. Whenever I think it was the, 
Oh, I don't know. I think it was the fifth. Yeah, I think it was the fifth. Was I the think fifth it was the fifth as well. Let's let's find uh, the England scorecard right here. Yeah, that was it. Two for 15 off his four overs when England were going at 10s Ridiculous. for most of it. Um, he had an absolutely fantastic couple of games. An unbelievable game today in the ODI. Um, I mean, how good, is it, how good is it to see him fit again, bowling really well? And is he one of the most skillful white ball swing bowlers? I think it's really interesting that he, get, he can get it to swing pretty early. Um, I think that's a, a massive positive. And we saw we saw Roy get out to to him uh, two balls in, uh, second ball in that final T20. I think he offers a lot. He's got variations. Um, he's quick, but he does move it through the air. So I think, as you said, Dan, he's a very useful bowler to have. And it's brilliant to see him back in the fold and fit again because he's, he's a quality player. Happy to have him back, Will. I mean, is he a, is he a staple in that India side now? Now he's fit and playing well, or I don't I don't quite know where he is in the setup. If you know what I mean, is he part of the Cody Club, for example? You know, is he up there with Bumrah as seamers on the team sheet for, for for white ball games? I don't know about his role in the Cody Club. Actually, we'll have to investigate that. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll see some membership cards from him. Um, but I but but I think definitely the the injury at the time was a real shame for him because I think prior to that and prior to the pandemic. He probably would have been the second seamer on the team sheet straight after Bumrah. Uh, I think he'd, he'd work his way ahead of Shami in most formats. People like Siraj hadn't come through yet. So he was really the, the second senior bowler there. And he was a big miss on the Australia tour, without doubt, because um, he's the kind of bowler whose skills do adapt really well to playing overseas. And I think he'll have a massive part to play in the England series this summer. Um, so it's great to see him back. And it's also brilliant that, that in the ODI, even today, still without Bumrah playing, he's been the one that with slightly other more junior bowlers around him, he's leading the bowling. And you can tell that. And he's the one who is sort of clearly the senior member of that attack. And he looks comfortable in that role. And that's really important to have. Um, so a bit of breaking news. I don't want to call it breaking news, but do you know? Do any of you know who just won man of the match in the ODI? If you do, don't say it. But if you don't, I'd love you to guess. I'd love you to guess who just won man of the match in the ODI. So India won it by, I don't know, 50-odd runs, maybe some more. But who got man of the match, do you reckon? Charles Thakur? No. Who got Johnny Bairstow, the really rogue one? No, but that, that, was it should, in, have been, England that should have player? been the answer. No, it was an India player. So, so Zach, you've had your guess. No more. Oh. You're the last one. Can you save it for the Come pod? On, after, who just after, won man of the match? Glenn... I don't know. <laughs> that, I, I want to give mine over to Zach. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yes, Chikadawan. No. The reason I say that is because the last pod where we focused on the T20s, I and Will wrote off his career and he's just won man of the match after a lovely, uh, what was it, 90 odd. And uh, I don't apologise. out for 100 again. So do you want to apologise, Will, or what? No, I don't sure want no. to apologise. He got his way to 98 and then paddled it straight to a fielder. <laughs> well, on, on that, I feel like I own an apology to Johnny Bairstow because I think it. Glenn, you brought this up at the the end of the last pod in that he gets so disrespected by you know media and fans, especially for he's in the white ball game. I agreed with you and then immediately disagreed with myself and said, "Is he?" And then today, I think he he proved how amazing he was. But we digress. We're talking about T Twenty still. Um, <laughs> so we've had you two teams. Uh, Will again, I'll come to you because you're an India fan. But and just to finish up on them. Happy with that T Twenty series? Uh, good vibes going into the World Cup, or is there still a little bit more to learn? I don't really care. I'm not going to lie. I think that feels harsh. I, but, I, but, I, but I think there is a reason behind it. And it's that for a lot of the India setup, 
in a weird way, the IPL seems to matter more towards national team selection and looking ahead to the World Cup than than this series does. And I think the glaring evidence of that is that they've not bothered to schedule any T20s when they're in England. Um, and they at the moment, we still don't have any yeah. confirmed T20s between now and the World Cup, which does suggest that we're kind of waiting for the IPL to really see who performs well and who doesn't, and then kind of last ditch things, stitch things together after that. Um, I think it's good to win the series. And if it had gone three to England, I'd, I'd probably be more annoyed than I am happy to, to just about win it. But I still think when you kind of look at it from the big picture, India will be very pleased to win this series. But on the spectrum of opinions that we all set out at, on, on the first preview podcast in terms of could this be a whitewash for India? What's a realistic result for England? I think in both the T20s and the tests, it's probably towards the low end of what India would have been expecting. I think it's an interesting point you make about how important the... Because obviously the IPL is so important to Indian selection. I think this year especially, it's going to be important to all all national sides' selection. Well, obviously less so the kind of lesser nations because they, they don't have enough players in the IPL to not pick the players who do badly in the IPL. You know, like if Rashid, if Rashid Khan has a bad IPL, it's not like Afghanistan aren't going to pick him. But England, say, you know, David Milan has a really bad IPL it's going to affect him and he's going to need a big blast or a big hundred to, although, you know, different format though. Can we compare between the formats? I don't want to get onto that. Please give us a job. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely summary there. I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised by how much the IPL influences the national team. Okay. No, I'm not. Let me rephrase that. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it influences more than actually playing for the national team against one of the other best sides in the world. But I, I also see your point in that it's, it's pretty vital to selection. So that's again, something to keep a really keen eye on. Um, let's chat about England for a little bit. And oh, I mean, I think we got to start with a moment for Joe Root and a moment silence for Joe Root, who saw Moe Ali play zero T20 internationals after and then that was that whole muddle up after the second test of him getting sent home to rest so he could come and play in these T20s. And then he didn't. And then he played in today's ODI and got 30 and bowled three overs. Great. But that's my one question mark. Well, there's a few question marks. But that's the, the main question mark, I think, for England coming out of this is I feel like they've got a very settled team. Very settled team. Apart from a second spinning option. Now, my question is, do we need a second spinner? Did you Did you feel the need for it? I don't think spin plays that much of a. Um, I don't think spin is that important in India anymore in T20s. I don't think we saw it rag in square. I don't think we needed a second spinner in these five games. But do any of you think we need a second spinner? And were you surprised to not see Moeen play? That's presuming he is the second spinner. I, I would just say I don't think we necessarily need a second spinner, but I just think about the value added by Sam Curran compared to the value added by Moeen. I don't think it's as simple as having a second spinner or having a, a fifth seamer, I suppose he would have been, or fourth fourth seamer. Yeah, fourth seamer. Fifth seamer with Stokes. Yeah, fifth yeah. seamer. <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting about Ben Stokes. You know, I feel like I do that too much in this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's about thinking about the value they add other than that because... Sam Curran with the bat, you know, he hit that 14 off three balls when we'd lost the game. But other than that, hasn't contributed that much. And Moeen Ali strike rate is two in the last three years out of the death is 210, which is exactly what England lacked in this in this series. And it's exactly the reason England struggled because we have too many players who want to bat 
who want to open and for the first 30 balls go at 120, 130, rather than having someone who can go from ball one. I think Sam Curran has the potential to be that and with maybe a really good IPL can be that a bit more for England, but he needs work and he's still so young. So I don't think we're, you know, we're set on him yet. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I guess it kind of ties into what is the best team? Are we getting the best out of everyone? We touched on it last week. I think Ben Stokes across the games faced around 56, 58 balls, just absolutely nothing, um, which which doesn't work. And I don't think he's a finisher. And I think we need to potentially reassess who is playing where in this team. And I think that's where Moeen comes in. And that's why I think it's such a pivotal question, um, Dan, that you've raised. And I totally agree with you, um, Zach. I think looking at added value is, is a really good way of looking at it. Um, one one thing I, I was trying, I was puzzling over my team, my 11, for going into the World Cup again, presuming there's going to be no injuries and stuff. And I, it's it's a, it feels like a bit of a cliche that the Milan discussion, but alongside the Stokes one, but that's because it's so important. I think that's why we keep bringing it up. That's why I've listened to a couple of other cricket podcasts this week. The first question they discussed, the last thing they ended on was, what is Stokes doing in this team? Is Milan scoring too slowly? And so for my team, I have made the decision to bench Milan in the 11. Um, I've put Stokes up to three. Um, I've gone Roy, Butler, Stokes, Bearstow, Morgan, uh, then Ali, and then we've got Archer, Jordan, Rashid, and Wood. I think that's eleven. I'm doing it off a screen. I'm I think it's me. ten. That's ten, I mate. You got 10, you got another yeah. spot. You, you missed out. Cur- you missed out. Current. So do is you want to put Current in there? there? Yeah, I guess. Cur- well, because I've bought. I've yeah, bought I have Woods. to. You could put Topley in there. You oh, could put, you oh, could put that t- sale guy in from Somerset if you want. No. I tell you why I've got it wrong. Um, because I'm looking at the England innings and not everyone batted in that in that game, which explains why there's yes, current current would be would be the person in there. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think that would be my team. I, th- I think that the problem with Milana and we've discussed it, he he swallows up so much the strike. He never starts quickly, and the problem is we have so many players that do start quickly in that position, and he puts so much pressure on himself to perform. If he takes 25 balls to get to his first 20, when someone the majority of the rest of the team can do. 30 and about 20 balls if he doesn't then kick on which he didn't for four of the five games and it was a beautiful innings in the fifth one let me let me get that on record he, he batted wonderfully and looked great nick in the i think the final final t20 if he doesn't perform then he slows the entire team down and then we're just because we have such an abundance of talent of big quick hitters i think and someone mentioned it um i think uh a uh, guy, I think it was Jared Kimber, mentioned it on the Talksport pod that he would that, that Milan would fit beautifully into maybe an Australian team right now who need who need this anchor figure, right? But in the England team, he doesn't really fit in there so well. I think that's such an interesting way of looking at it. He doesn't fit the way we play our T20 cricket. That isn't to say he's not a good batsman. I think he's world class on his day. Clearly, the, the, the you know the, the figures say that, but. If he doesn't kick on, he slows down the entire team, and that's potentially a reason why we didn't perform in the two in two of the three ones we lost. I think Milan is such an interesting one because you know we've seen him. He he can do well in Test cricket. He can do well in in T Twenty cricket, and he's but he's so good when the ball, when pace is on the ball, isn't he? Like he you know he's got a century at Perth, which is you know it's no mean feat. You know he's he's very decent on the back foot and stuff. But he, you're right, Glenn. He's He's slow and it's difficult. I haven't dropped him, but I also haven't dropped Stokes. I've 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 dropped Roy, which I know is kind of horrible. And I know, I know, but I felt like I couldn't drop Stokes because 
I have gone for Stokes far too much in this uh, podcast and he needs a bit of respite. <laughs> and also, I felt like I couldn't drop my line because I'm going to say it. He's the number one T20 batsman no, in the world. No, don't say that, Zach. That, that, what you've said right there is, is the issue. And I found Glenn's argument then quite compelling, actually, because I spoke to my mate over the weekend about this. And, I, and he was like, you got to drop my line. And I said, no, you just can't. You can't because of X and Y. X being his number one batsman. Y just came off the back of that innings. Um in the 50 20 but it I, I oh gosh i don't know i don't know what to say i i now am leaning to maybe we drop him i think it makes sense with the team the balance of the team there it is ladies and gentlemen the balance <laughs> but i think i'm in on that now i think it, well I, ha- I haven't dropped him because i wrote my team down earlier and hadn't heard Glenn's argument just then but yeah, he, he eats up too many deliveries and we don't get the best out of Stokes. So I'd rather lose him, get the best out of Stokes and then bring yeah. somebody else in down the order and it would probably be Moeen. I'd probably mirror Glenn's team. Wait, who, who have you dropped in your team you've written down? Before okay, you so my team that I wrote down this afternoon is, well, it's the team that was played for most of the series. So Butler, Roy, Milan, Bearstone, Morgan, Stokes, Curran, Jordan, Archer, Wood, Rashid. So... so- you, well, you've kept you've kept Stokes at six, which is. Yep, Stokes is at six, doing absolutely nothing, bowling two overs <laughs> and facing deliveries, <laughs> tail. Uh, Moeen's uh, current over Moeen, just um, I prefer Curran's bowling, and yeah, I, I really think that's the one they're going to go for as well. From what we've seen in this series, and what Morgan seems to be pretty content with. So hang on, Zach, who are you opening with if you're dropping Roy? Mm-hmm. My question. This so I'm are, are you doing Stokes. the Roger Stan and going Stokes and Butler? I am. Oh, I man. am. I, and I will. I would potentially now. I've heard Glenn's argument. Uh, drop Milan and bat Stokes at three and put Roy back in. But Roy, I think if it's tomorrow, Roy needs Roy. Kind of, you know, he had two good innings in this and three poor innings, and that kind of, you know, it kind of is what it's almost what you expect from Jason Roy. But I feel like it's. He's, and he's coming back into form. Like he's been in terrible form since England tried to make him a test opener and it just didn't work and he was in terrible form until this series and he's come back into a bit of form. When the World Cup comes around, hopefully he's had a good few more games, a good, few, a good bit of form, and then he will deserve his place. Other than, that, other than that, the only change I've done is I've not gone Curran because, Glenn, you've picked seven bowlers, right? Stop. <laughs> that Sam is a fair pick. point. <laughs> Sam Billings. Less of a good point. <laughs> Sam Billings. I'm sorry, boys. We normally get a bit weird in like the 50th plus minute of this pod. We're about half an hour in and it's just got a bit crazy. What was the problem in this series? We didn't have enough right-handers at, in the middle order. Oh, Glenn, I, 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 Glenn, you're right-handed. Go and bat at six for England. That's what we need. <laughs> we need a right-hander to throw the... <laughs> What's the deal with this left? Like Nasser saying was absolutely obsessed with the amount of left-handers in this England middle order. I don't. Und- I understand the issue that is a right-handed pace bowler will get the ball turning away with a with a cutter, and an off spinner will turn it away. Is that that big a deal? Just just play your best batsman. If they're left-handed, they're left-handed. Play the thing better. They're not playing off cutters well enough. I don't think. I don't think you show a whole team selection based on the way they stand at the crease. I, and I do agree with that, Dan. But also, it's, you know, a bowler gets used to a certain way they're bowling to a certain thing. That's why left-hand, right-hand opening combinations work so well, because a bowler gets used to bowling at one. I mean, we've all played cricket. It's much easier to just bowl at right-handers than it is left-handers. 
all the time. As soon as a left-hander comes in, everyone panics, don't they? <laughs> it's, it, I, I am a left-hander, so it's also, it's also great. Even though I'm a terrible batsman, everyone's panicking when I come in. So <laughs> They shouldn't be. Um, just, just a couple of really quick points. So, number one, Zach, you mentioned you know seven balls in the team. I completely agree. But what I would say is a lot of them can bat as well. It's not obviously we're, we're, we're fielding seven out-and-out bowlers. I think Archer is... We, and we've discussed, you know, he, he cannot pick up a bat. I think he picks it up the wrong way in test cricket. But honestly, in the T20 form, I think he is underused by England. I think he's an incredible pitch yeah, hitter. Well he's proved it time and time again for Registan. He's wasted facing two, three balls, usually when the game's over. Same as Stokes. One more thing. And I don't think I'd necessarily have this in my team. I'm pre- I think we've all had a really good discussion about that 11. I think we came to some kind of agreement regarding Milan. But is there a case? I think there is definitely an argument for Butler having a finisher role because I just don't know. Dan Dan's having a fit. Dan Dan's collapsed. Dan's walked. But Dan, I'm, Dan's I'm, walked I'm, go on, finish finish your point. Well, Dan, sorry. I think he's I, no 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 of course, but I think he's doing a good a great job opening, and it's almost like we'd love two Butlers. But Stokes clearly, I think putting Stokes at number three would help because he's not a natural finisher. But having Butler in a floating role, he can come in a four, he can come in a little bit later. There is a case to be made for it because I, I trust him the most. And I think, yes, we do want him to face the most balls, which is why he opens. I think that's why I'd keep him there. But, you know, it didn't, we, we, we struggled a little bit in this series when we, when we um, you know, were looking at a total and, and, and struggling to get there. I mean, Dan, what, what do you reckon? Okay, actually, no, you made a fair argument there. I, I, had, I had a small moment and thought about <laughs> the pod there and then. But it, it's, it's mostly because Rob Key made this exact point ahead of the game where Butler, I think it must have been the third T20 where Butler got 80 odd not out or whatever and led us to victory and he was unbelievable and you want him facing as many deliveries as possible and we get that explosive start like in the ODIs and it's part of it but okay I'm I'm less angry now I I see the point in that I think our finishing was terrible this whole series when we lost those top four no one got any momentum no one could start quickly and we didn't have enough time so they were very scratchy and got out so maybe there is a case that England at least, whether it's Butler or not, need to be a bit more flexible with their batting lineup. And I think that would help the left-handed situation as well. It's exactly what I was going to say. Could we be so flexible that because Butler in a chase is is brilliant. We've seen it in ODI cricket for years. He's so good at calculating, you know, when to attack and when to kind of hold back a little bit. And that is, you know, that's probably more useful in the middle order. And potentially if we are could we be so flexible that, say, we bowl first and we're chasing and they don't hit that many, they hit 140 rather than 180, we don't go out with Butler at first because we don't need, we don't necessarily need the explosive start. Obviously, you don't want to just, you know, settle in because there's still not that much time and there's still a total on the board, but maybe you want him more in the middle overs to kind of calculate it because then it just works better and you don't need to be going at it right from the start. Would would you open with Butler if England were batting first all the time? As in, no, not batting first all the time. Would you open with Butler all the time if England were batting first? I, I, I just, I can't look past the argument that you want your best player facing the most balls. Like it's such Definitely a... the most compelling one, isn't it? It's that the most compelling sort of stop and go, Okay, yeah, fair, fair point. Um, no, I agree. And just one question. So if we are moving, if we do move Butler, try it and move into a floating role, who, Zach, maybe, who who would be opening? Would it be for you? Would it be Roy and Bairstow or Roy and Stokes? I, I think that's such a difficult one again, because obviously Bairstow makes 
more sense in a way that, you know, he's done it before he does it most of the time. But he has also looked really good at four. I think I think Bestos looked yeah. really good and and look and you know, he's taken that role on. And considering you know, we've talked about how Bestos been messed around with a hell of a lot since he, he came into the England setup, you know, with his being dropped for test, bringing him back in, you know, being dropped again. There's there's, there's always chat about what is Bestos' role in any team he's in, it seems. And the fact that he's gone down to four, which clearly isn't the position he wants to be in and has taken to it so well, I think it's something which just leave him there. No matter what else we do, leave him there for now. It's working. I know Morgan is Morgan is naturally bats at four. You know, he bats at four for whoever he plays, but he's also, you know, Morgan's been batting at five. But I think it's something we can also chat. Morgan was really poor in this series, wasn't he? Like he didn't, you know, he didn't really do anything. I've got a Morgan stat. I've only got one stat this week, but it's a real good one. And this um, this includes, I it might include the ODI. I'm not 100% sure on that. But Crick Viz analyst said, O Morgan's T20 record has been excellent in the last two years, but he's suffered a slump of form for England. Just two of his last 10 innings for England have seen him record a positive batting impact, a massive concern. Um, Will, obviously, I, I, think, I know you obviously watched quite a few of these games. Did you, do you have concerns about Morgan's play? Is his like, approach to the game at the minute? The thing with Morgan is I think that Zach's point kind of gets to the heart of it, which is that he doesn't necessarily bat where he wants to because it's more about the good of the rest of the team and he'll fit in around it, which sort of gets to the heart of his role in the team, which is really to to captain. <laughs> He's kind of this slightly bizarre role of being the specialist captain and his batting seems to be kind of auxiliary to that. Like if he bats well, good, but that's not really why he's there. Um, I mean, obviously, if that if that run, I mean, the, it's a great stat from Glenn there. Obviously, if that run continues, then you then you would be alarmed. But at the moment, I wouldn't stress too much with it. I think it's kind of the less severe of the problems that you've discussed. I have to say, I'm very persuaded by your initial argument, Glenn, with respect to Milan. I think we've reached a consensus on that point. Um, but personally, I'm just thrilled that you've all joined me in Rajasthanland of of stressing about Butler and Stokes and who is an opener, who's a finisher. Should they both be one or the other? Um, so I glad we can all suffer in this together now. Um, my, but I, I think my only contribution there would be, I think Butler is probably an excellent opener. I completely accept the point that you want your best batsman facing the highest number of balls. I think that's a great point. But it does kind of feel to me like unless you're going to open with both of them, one of them is your opener and one of them is your finisher. And if we think Stokes at six hasn't worked, then maybe they do just need to flip for a bit. I like that. Oh, I tell you what, that's a good shout. Just to try it, just to see if that works. And yeah, I think Glenn's argument is actually quite compelling on Milan. So that's a very interesting point. I came into this pod thinking, no, I'm not going to back down on that. But yeah, I am. I'm backing down on that. <laughs> and yeah, what if England did get more flexible and open with Stokes and Roy, for example... And then they they got to the twelfth over somehow. Then you bring Butler in, or if there's a, a, a collapse, exactly. you can go Bairstow, Morgan, and then bring Butler in at five or even six to face the last sort of five overs because he can start so quickly. Um, okay, so let's uh, very hypothetical now. Let's say Milan is dropped, Stokes opens with Roy, who bats at three, Bairstow, and then Morgan at four. I'm getting a bit lost in it all, but it's very hypothetical at the minute. Yeah, I think I think that works, and then Butler five, Billings six. No, I'm I'm joking. There. Maybe Billings. I th- I think Billings no, deserves Billings a Billings is not the answer to any question today. He's not the answer to anything. I think Billings is the answer to every question today. He works. He's right-handed. He's a finisher. He can keep wicket as well. So you know, if Butler starts doing badly in the Test arena, yeah, you know, in comes Sam Billings. 
one, one more quick thing just for that kind of role, I guess, Zach, in that position, and God forbid it is Billings, but <laughs> who I have advocated <laughs> for before on this pod. I will be honest, I do like him, but I'm not every time I see him play for England, he gets 20, then slaps it to mid off in the same shot every every single time, like today. Um, do we see, and we'd have to spend a huge amount of time on it again, it's been a bit overdone. We might have mentioned it last pod, I can't remember, but if Alex Hales was fit and available and kind of welcomed back into the England fold, there's been a lot of baggage with him, but if that is bygones be bygones, he's welcomed back in, do we put him into this team? Because I, I think you kind of need to, but what do you reckon? I saw someone had an England team that they'd put on, I can't remember what it was on, it was on Twitter, I think, and they'd put Alex Hales down to about five, they basically picked, you know, I mean, they they picked not a dissimilar England team to we picked to, to what England had been picking. They just picked five openers, basically. <laughs> and had Love Alex that. Hales down at five. I mean, fair play. I, yes, I was actually, just as we started talking about our teams, I was like, oh my God, I need to put in Alex Hales. But I didn't have time, so I didn't manage it. But yeah, where would he come in? Who's he coming for? Roy was, you know, before the series, there was a lot of chat about Roy looking over his shoulder because, you know, him and Alex Hales are kind of, they both just go, don't they, from ball one. That's kind of similar at them. But I think, well, we've said it before in this podcast, Hales for the next T20 World Cup when Morgan maybe, maybe Morgan's gone, may, hopefully not, because it's in Australia where Hales is unbelievable. You know, maybe it makes more sense, especially with Hales not getting an IPL contract. I guess you could also, if you if we're dropping Butler, if we're moving Butler from opening, that frees up a slot there, and then you drop Milan. I mean, God, I'm more confused out of this England batting lineup than how <laughs> we started. Um, maybe we'll come for a decision over the summer. We're all happy with the bowling, though, right? Should we chat about the other half of the team? I think it was um, it was very good at points, excellent at points. You know, not so good at other points, and the batsmen were good, but you know that's allowed. So. They're definitely locked in. I, I don't see... We spoke about this in the last pod, but there's not that many people knocking on the door. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Parkinson gets a run out in the ODIs, and if he has a good ODI, maybe that brings him to the fold in the T20s. Um, away from both the teams, and more about, I don't know, the game of cricket, but that fourth T20 took about seven or eight hours, I think. It was a long old slog, and that was thanks to a fairly poor overrate from England, but also the issue with the catches. And there were a number of catches that went... Uh, up to the third umpire, thanks to some soft signals. Um, I just want to see what you think of a soft signal, basically, because there was the Milan one, which probably wasn't a catch. Uh, he's got a, a ridiculous amount of stick for it. He's not a cheater. He just thought he caught it. Um, and the soft signal was out, and the umpire was desperately trying to find some information that, that overturned that. And it's a bit like VAR, isn't it? I mentioned at the top of the pod, but it's that I need to find conclusive evidence that the, the guy on field is incorrect. Do you think this works in cricket, soft signals, or do you think there's a better way around this? Because it also just slowed the game up terribly. It really annoys me a little bit, especially when they don't have the angle that they need. It's like, why in this day and age, with all the technology you have, the way you can, you know, the way, ball, how, how high tech is ball tracking? Like, that's, that's pretty high tech, and they don't have a camera angle. Well, I mean, it goes back to, we talked about this in the test series, the, the stumpings that were pretty tight and they just couldn't show, they only had it from one side, they didn't have it from the other side. Why not? And it's 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 more of a thing with the soft signal because they have a couple angles, they don't have another angle, but, and and some of the camera, they'll zoom in and it's just really blurry so they can't tell what's going on. Like the Milan one, 
I'm, I mean, from what I saw, it clearly looked like the ball touched the ground. But also the, the umpires, the, not the umpires, sorry, the commentators were saying, oh, it just looks like that. He's probably got a ring finger under the ball. But it's like, I don't know. I think the soft signal thing makes it just, you know, it makes they can't see. They don't know. The umpire has no idea whether he's caught that. What, that hence why he's reviewing it. Therefore, why should why is he giving a decision when he has no idea? I agree completely. I think it was a it was a really weird situation. And I mean, as you say, first of all, someone in that ground needs to get better cameras because it would <laughs> it would zoom in and you couldn't see a thing. Um, to the point where, as we said in the chat, even the umpire was getting pretty passive aggressive because he could never get the angle that he wanted. Do you have another angle? <laughs> Are you sure there isn't one somewhere? Please. <laughs> But I mean, as as a salty India fan over that, I, I think it, it, it just wasn't really a catch. He did put the ball down. Um, and then you're kind of zooming in to try and see evidence that there's a finger under the ball, which we don't have an angle to show or not. That, to me, feels like if you can't tell that it's so far away from the umpire that his soft signal also is basically made up. I feel like the presumption there should be towards it's not out unless you can see it's been caught. Yes. Um, Yes, and that's my issue, is how is the on-field umpire seeing David Milan run steaming in from the boundary, catching the ball just before it hits the ground or not, and going, yeah, I'm going to give that as a soft signal now. You know what I mean? It's it's a pretty weird system. And there was a Carl Jameson catch today, which I think definitely should have been a catch. Um, you know, he's about eight foot tall coming down on the ball. And how do we know if he has control of it? You know, this is like a philosophical question. When is the ball controlled? You know, the, yes, the ball was like a bit on the ground, but, you know, he he still caught it, if you know what I mean. Like, you play cricket, you know, when you catch it, you've got control of it. But they said they said no, and he was fuming. Um, Zach, I can't remember if you said no. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't think it was a catch, do you? I, I just don't think it's as black and white as you're making it out to be, Dan. I don't think it was clearly a catch. I think it's, you know, it's a question of whether he had control over it. And I don't, but then... The soft signal was out. Am I right in thinking that? Yes. And then, yeah, the yes. Soft so the, was the third umpire actually mm. overturned the on field, a soft signal for the first time ever, I think. That's quite, yeah. That is, that, I mean, that is, it is rare, isn't it? Even though, the, again, the umpire didn't have much of a chance to see because he had six foot eight Carl Jameson in his way. There's no way he could have seen this one. And I do think that it was, I, I don't know, because he didn't seem to have that much control over it. But then, I, one thing that's been raised about it is about players throwing the ball up really quickly after they catch it, which is just, did, did they ever have control of that? I always well, wonder. Well, that's it. How long, how long does it have to be in your hands for before you chuck it up in the air? I'm sure Freddie Flintoff used to just, he used to touch his palms and it was up, it was gone. And they're all celebrating. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you saw this, boys. I've just seen this pop up on Twitter, but um, the BCCI, I think it was the Twitter account or the website, described Coley's drop today as a great effort um, <laughs> as opposed to a drop. So they've gone, he caught it, but the ball trickled out of his hands upon the elbow's impact with the ground. Great effort and full marks on the sportman, sportsman spirit from Virat Kohli. And that is obviously in reference to the Darren Milan issue, who has had so much stick since, um, you know, he dropped it. Uh, but it, it went down as a catch. So, yeah, I, I, uh, this isn't direct. This isn't aimed at anyone. Right. But. And maybe because I've watched too much of India, but the BCCI and Virat Kohli are winding me up no end. They're, they're, I'm, they're, I'm rent-free. I can't... Everything they do winds me up. And I think they're great at a bit of shithousery, to be fair to them, and good on them, because it's, it's good fun. 
Well, do we do, do we learn anything more about that kind of exchange between Butler and Coley from the final T20 international? Because no. there was a bit of argy bargy there, and it was like on screen. I watched it. I think we probably all watched it live, and I was like, oh, a bit of bit of beef there, and nothing really came of it. I mean, obviously Josh is a, you know a lovely bloke, and Coley. Put, I feel like Coley acts quite a lot on the field. Like he knows <laughs> how to wind up people. But it was quite funny. I mean, there was nothing nothing after that. Well, my theory on that was. First of all, Joss has got a history of Philander. He had a few words of him there. That was that was, that seemed like a character for Butler, to be fair. It, um, it was really weird. That it was horrible. Philander I didn't thing. I didn't like him saying that to him. I was no. like, Joss, that's, that's not you. Um, <laughs> and and here's another thing: is the host broadcaster would never show a replay of it because I don't think they want to show Coley in that light. I'm getting a bit conspiratorial here. I, I don't mean to be a bit conspiracy theory, but. I think Virat gave him a bit of a send-off and Butler wasn't too happy with that. But yeah, I've not looked into it and there was no mention of it. Nothing on Twitter. I've not seen anything. I think that's probably a product of, you know, cricket moving so quickly. I, I Somebody, I saw somebody again on Twitter, um, maybe say that they liked the five, the five T20s in a row because you could build narratives. But I actually disagree with that because I felt there was too much going on that something that would have developed into a good talking point, not necessarily this because there's more important things than just a, a nudge or whatever, but... I think things got washed away because there was so much cricket. As we've said, we're straight on the ODI. Before we started recording, we were all buzzing to talk about the ODI, but obviously we had to cover this because we've just seen a load of T20 games. So, yeah, I, I don't really agree with that with that argument that we're, we're building things that we can talk about. Um, Will, what do you reckon? I completely agree. And I, I think we all praised uh, the scheduling and the organisation of the India series in Australia because they put all of the short formats right at the start and then the tests. And that's I how you build that. narrative. Yes, yeah, 100%. It's that. so much more watchable as well because I think everybody, all serious cricket fans, you know, proper hardcores, everyone listens to this podcast, for example, um, loves test match cricket. And that's sort yeah. of the, the highlight of it. So why not build up to that, right? We've got to do that more often, surely. I think also after a long test series, you always want a bit of a break. You're always a bit fatigued after a long test series, especially if, you know, as, as England did, they, they failed. So, you know, well, you know, not too bad, not as bad, you know, just as bad as we expected them to. But like, I think after that, you just kind of want to rest and reflection. You don't want the white ball stuff necessarily. But yeah, the it building up makes way more sense. I definitely agree with that. Um, I've also, by the way, I've literally just watched the Jameson catch live, uh, live reaction here on RSP, and I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's the catchiest catch I've ever seen in my life. Thank that's you. like that's Absolutely. not even close. <laughs> that's like that's like a catch's catch, isn't it? That's the catch's catch. It was, and it was amazing. The, the guy just came down like a block of flats and still caught a ball. It's pretty impressive from from a guy that tall. So yeah, v, um, D, DRS is getting a bit VARy for me. There's like. This this never happened either. This fallout with third umpires, until like I think maybe it's the neutral umpire situation, so maybe it's a COVID thing. But the quality of umpiring seems a little bit. I, don't, I hate pointing fingers at umpires because I've been rubbish at it. But is it not just a little bit? Do we not feel that the umpires got a bit worse in the past year since COVID, and we've only got neutral umpires at the minute? Or am I am I clutching at straws here? I think it's allowed. I, 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 the only people I ever want to see umpiring a cricket match are Kumar Dharmasena and Maria Rasmus. Oh, the only, the only dream people. Team. Dream, dream team. team. Uh, well said, mate. Maybe. Alim Dar, you know. Who, yeah, Alim Dar in a third umpire. Yeah. And then I don't really, I don't really care about the rest of the match fishing team. I'm sorry, I don't think they're, they're that relevant, are they? 
you mentioned you mentioned how about 50 minutes in we kind of lose our minds and i think a proper spirited <laughs> debate about the best third umpire kind of embodies that <laughs> oh you're right Glenn. we're starting to lose it a little bit um so probably we need time to wrap it up but um should, should we chat about the odi really quickly uh first odi finished today uh she could die man of the match somehow um England to 130 off 13 overs, then getting bowled out. I can't, I can't be asked to get the scorecard up. 260, 270? I don't know. Someone find it and talk about it in a second. But um, an interesting game, nonetheless. And ugh, as much as I dislike Virat Kohli at the minute, he's like he's mastered one-day batting. He got to 50 off 50 without even breathing. He's so good. Um, go on. Yeah, any comments on this ODI really quickly? What, what do you reckon to... I think we, we we mentioned it just before we came on air, maybe when it was just you and I talking down. But yeah, the brittleness of, of, of England's lower order is a real concern. So uh, we got 251 all out, which is pretty disgraceful considering the fall of the first wicket was 135. Wow. wow. So I think we managed 100 and less than 120 runs between the rest of the other nine batsmen. Didn't didn't feel like turning up today. And yeah, you're looking down it, um, you know, Stokes, Morgan, the highest score of anyone below Roy um, was 30 from Moeen, who did look in good nick until he got out. And uh, yeah, it, it was really disappointing. It was just, it was frustrating. And we were in a position to win the game. Um, credit to India's quick bowlers, who were brilliant. Uh, the way they came back, they took a lot of stick. The comms mentioned that a lot. And to, to come to come back from being smacked around by Roy and Bairstow and, and to win the game is exceptional. But shocking shocking from the middle order we should have won from the position we were in and i thought i thought england batted deep you know we we keep talking about it oh look how deep our batting lineup <laughs> is but n- either none of them are in nick at the minute because i think we all agree they can do it and yeah that brittleness just absolutely sucks absolutely sucks yeah i mean the one thing i would say is missing is, is joe root you know we miss joe root just point. kind of going in after yeah. we had that massive start Spot as on. we kind of often do we just had no Joe Root to go in and, you know, be okay to just settle and push it around a little bit and keep us going. Because we just need someone to take control and keep us going after Roy got out. Because, you know, just feed Bairstow the strike. Because Bairstow didn't really get any of the strike in between Roy getting out. And then suddenly he was with... Stokes took up a few deliveries. Morgan took up a few deliveries. And suddenly he was kind of under a bit of pressure because... There was all these batsmen falling around him, and he ended up he ended up falling before Bairstow, before sorry, before Morgan. But then Morgan didn't last long. It seemed to they had a plan to Morgan, and it worked. They just bowled outside of off stump, quite short to him, and it worked. And he, he didn't seem to be able to get anywhere near the ball, to be honest. That's such a good point on route, and I think interestingly Stokes played at three today, and Stokes' place at five in the in the ODI side and the Test side is where. He is cemented in. You know, we talk about his issues in the T20 side, but it suits him so well in the longer formats of the game. And um, it'll be interesting because England are a bit walking wounded uh, after this game. Morgan splitting the webbing in his hands. Sam Billings with a collarbone issue. So they could both miss out. I think Morgan said already they're, gonna, they're probably going to miss out. They'll see over the next two days. So I'll be interested to see how England can piece a team together with that squad missing two batsmen. Sorry, sorry. So, so I was just thinking about who was in the squad, and obviously Liam Livingston's an obvious one to come in, but also yeah. um, the the man we've dropped from the T Twenty side, David Milan, is a reserve. Oh, this this is something I'd be interested in. Why isn't Milan number three? Oh, I guess he can't because of root. But why isn't he playing in the ODI side? Do we reckon? That's so this, this is something I, I brought up 
in a podcast a while ago because Milan is an ODI 100 away from joining my fated list. <laughs> oh, no, I remember that now. Oh, yeah. I remember. So, and obviously, an ODI 100, no offence to ODIs, ODI 100 is probably the easiest out of the three to get. I mean, don't, 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 be, don't be afraid of, uh, you know, offending ODIs as a concept, Zach. They'll be fine. <laughs> but I think it's probably the easiest out of the hundreds to get because test, yeah. you know, you've got to be pretty good to get a test hundred. He's got that. T2000, famously didn't run because he wanted to be not out. So, you know, that's tainted him forever. <laughs> and now he can come into the ODIs, win England an ODI, and maybe it'll work in his favour in the T20s, like it's meant to be for all these other players who are getting their chance. Uh, I, I really like that. I think he'd say, the way he bats would really suit the game. He could do the the, the role that Root can't do at the minute because he's being rested as well. So maybe the injury will force something good to come out of that. Um, but yeah, on India quickly, I mean, so impressive to take nine wickets after getting tonked around 10 and over with 13 overs. That was really good. Young lad who debuted today, can't remember his name. Someone can remind me in a minute, but some cracking banter with Bearstow. I don't know if you saw, but... He's bowled one, outside off stumps, swung away. Bess has had a hoik at it, missed it. And as he's turned back to go to his mark, he sort of pretended to look at where the ball went. And he was having some, he's having some good banter with Bess, though. And uh, to come back from like going at 12s from his first spell, to take two wickets and go at, like three and over, I thought was really impressive. And it's not very good of me to not remember his name, but anyway, he was very good. Prasid Krishna. Thank you, Will. KKR. <laughs> yes, KKR boy for some reason, which wasn't very promising going in. Um, and I, I did, I did look up his his T20 ODI stats, and they weren't a huge amount to write home about. Um, but fair enough, he was he was really really good today. And as you said, Dan, that was kind of the key moment for him. That that little bit of banter on the field, just showing that he didn't get too too down coming in for his debut, and immediately getting spanked over his head repeatedly. Um, and then you know, ending up finishing on three wickets, bowls really really well, Boovy as well. Um, and Shardul Takur, who I threw in as my man of the match shout, because I thought he, he came in when it was really under pressure. Yeah. I, think, I think took three wickets in a spell. Um, and that really turned the game around for India. Well, he took Bearstow, Morgan, I want to say maybe Stokes as well. Well, Butler, there you go. He took out the spine of England. So I'm surprised he didn't win man of the match for that, to be fair. But I guess Shikadan's runs are pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, that was the first ODI. Very quick summary, because we'll have a full roundup of this series for you next week. Um, and as we tick just over the hour mark, and we actually had some sensible cricketing comments toward the end there. So I think we should all be very <laughs> proud of ourselves. Um, we recovered from the third umpire chat there very, very well. Um, so yeah, that'll about wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. As I said, we'll be back next week for a full review of the ODI series. Um, say goodbye, everyone. See you later, Will. See you later. See you later, Zach. See you later. Bye, Glenn. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.